<clears throat> All right, listen up, guys. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear in standard two by two cover formation. Everybody, this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 11 for the week of December 20th, 2010. I am Mer enthusiast David T. Cole, and I'm here with exclusionary reindeer Joe Reed. What's up? Christmas angel Tara Ariano. Yes. And tree skirt model Marga Blankenship. Hello. <laughs> Maybe you were trying to uh, replicate the sound of your it's exactly your match your boobies. It's an avatar. Your whispering boobies. I love boobies. <laughs> it was a very it was whispery and sibilant. It was kind of yeah. uh, it was kind of perfect. It actually it actually mirrored the content of my soul. Day, so. Welcome back, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the secret is I've never left. Oh, what? <laughs> I've been eating all your sun chips. Oh, that explains a lot. Combing yes. your hair while you sleep. <laughs> it does look great. Thank you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yes. This is our closest to Christmas podcast, so yep. hope everybody out there has a good one. Closest by Price is Right rules. That's right. Oh, yeah. We're not overshooting over. it. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of Christmas and good ones and not having good ones, <laughs> let's talk about that community Christmas episode. How about that community Christmas yeah. episode? Why don't we listen mm. to the special credits that they specially did? Specially. Give me the snow, light up the trees. Deck every hall, and while you can see, roast every nut, missile the toe. This needs to be the best Christmas since the original. 20,000 years from now, say, the most successful Christmas was today. Okay, we got him. We got him. I remember I follow a lot of TV critics on Twitter who get screeners in advance, and all of them were pre-jizzing over this episode, yes. like you would not believe. Yes. So when it came, it was extremely disappointing. Yeah. Because it wasn't funny. It no. was not funny. No. I mean, I maybe pre- these people just really think clay is inherently humorous. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. This we're talking about the stop motion animated episode because the last right. year's Christmas episode of Community was great. Yeah. This was the one where Anthony Michael Hall was guest starring as the bully of yes, Green Day. Yes. Yes. And he was getting in a fight, and they had that great scene where they were trying to learn how to fight but keep it from Shirley. <laughs> she comes in. What are you right. doing? Just getting ready for the fight. <laughs> I couldn't think of another word. <laughs> so great. Um, oh. So this one was such a gigantic letdown. Well, and I season's been sort of a letdown. That's yeah. I think it's emblematic yes, of the entire I season. Agree. Joe have and I, I have actually been having an ongoing debate on low resolution about right. this season, and I think that we've both we've felt differently about some episodes, right? But I think that we've both come to the similar conclusion that it would be nice to just emotionally like community instead of talking yourself into liking community which is what i feel like with this christmas episode for instance i felt like i was thinking well i appreciate this and i see that what they were going for here and i didn't 
I was. It's frustrating because I didn't have to use to talk myself into appreciating community. I feel right. like community used to be more. I mean, in this first season, to me, it felt so assured. Like, yeah. yeah, it felt like they really knew all of those characters very well. With obviously, we've talked about Pierce as the exception, and sure. he continues to be. <laughs> but I feel like what may have happened between season one and season two, because it didn't get super great ratings, was that someone somewhere has said what the missing piece is is that it doesn't have enough heart. Right. So that seems to be what they've been trying to add this season. And, you know, we saw it a little bit with the Chicken Strip episode, which we will talk about soon. Yeah. But but the Christmas, this the entire Christmas episode was all built around, now we know a new fact about Abed. His mom is crappy. Yes. Right. Okay, great. Like, well, <clears throat> yeah. And I, don't, I don't think that was worth the effort. I f- and I feel like if that was the objective, is to sort of inject heart into the show, like, mm-hmm. I feel like whoever was giving that directive wasn't watching closely enough the first season because yeah, the first right. season was able, the first season had these great character moments they were just mm-hmm. really you know seamlessly woven mm-hmm. into yeah. episodes that were actually funny and right. that right. actually that the purpose was we're going to make a great half hour of comedy right. whereas this season it's been either we're going to show how great we are at genre parody mm-hmm. and that's the only thing we're going to do for 30 minutes with a zombie episode right. Right. and then for our next episode we're going to do 30 minutes of character building at a sad bar stool scene. <laughs> yeah. With, yes. Wait, like, taking Troy, who is the best character on that show. Agreed. And completely, like, shoehorning him into this storyline where all of a sudden he feels sad and let down because Jeff and Britta aren't the role models he's wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like that episode was just like, oh, for for this one, Troy's gonna idolize Jeff and Britta. And right. Right. Like, that well, didn't really happen. That hasn't, that's not been what's going on. And well, it was, it, I'm sorry. No, go. It's the same thing that frustrates me about Glee. It's what frustrates me about Community now, where I feel like that the characters change so radically from week to week that there's mm-hmm. no consistency. And you feel like that they've invented Troy mm-hmm. for the purposes of these 28 min- 22 minutes only. Mm-hmm. And you think about, he's looking to them for some sort of guidance, but in the Pillow Fort episode, right. he was so confident. and he was I did like, love that Pillow Fort. Yeah, that was great. That was funny. Yeah. But, but you know, it's just... but. The, it, it feels like that you're basically tuning in every week for a 22-minute short film that yeah. happens to feature the same actors that were in last week's short film. Right. Well, that I mean, you, you mentioned the genre parody, and I think that's the other note they got. It was like, more episodes yeah. like the paintball right. episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then you get the zombie episode, which have looks I made like... The, have I made my Homer Simpson Starway thing on this podcast? <laughs> I don't want to repeat myself. Even if you have, it's worth repeating. Yes. So in the, ep- in the uh, Simpsons episode where Homer Simpson um, makes uh, Ned Flanders a dating video <laughs> on the sly, and he has this little piece of home equipment, and the transitions, you know, he's only using star wipes, and Lisa yeah. says, you know, there's other transitions. He says, well, you know, you just use star wipe, because it's the Why well, have hamburger when you can have steak? <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like episode, uh, season two of Community has been like that, where all we're getting are star wipe marquee yeah. concept episodes, yeah. and, yes. you know, it, it sort of... Just just wears you down. Well, even and the writing for the concept and not for the the characters. Well, even right, with the episode absolutely. with Annie's missing pen, it had to become this like it's a bottle episode. It's yeah. a we're doing a bottle episode. Yeah. Like they right. turned it into a gimmick episode when right. it would just like it can stand perfectly well. It on its stood own. perfectly well on its own. It was a very funny episode, and it also is starting to feel like that the way that they're writing all of that meta textual um, dialogue. It's starting to feel like to me and maybe just because I get irritated by the show now, that they're insulting me. I'm like, I don't actually need you to point out to me every 15 Uh, seconds what you're doing. I I got it. I'm down. I understand that even if they hadn't... And taking it back to that Rankin-Bass 
Christmas episode. They actually didn't need to ever explain to me what was happening, and I would have picked up on it. Well, right. And yet they spent, like, I feel like that 40% of the dialogue in that episode was about... Look at me! Well, yeah, and did we really need did we need John Oliver's character in that to sort of be the weird conduit and explanation guy for the audience? Because not cool. Oh, hold on, Albert. I'm not just a psych professor. I'm also a Christmas wizard. You are. I am, and I can help you find the meaning of Christmas. Right, guys? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this feels safe. Shut up, Winger. Yeah. So and from there I was like, oh, now it's going to get even more stupid. Well, and, and it if, did. Even if you wanted to have something where one of the characters decides that they're going to indulge Abed's fantasy for the sake of, a for the sake of keeping the rest of the episode claymation, which is what they want to do, mm-hmm. but b like if they wanted to help Abed out, like the group has been able, like somebody from the group has always been there to step up and be like, we're going to whatever, worry about Abed this week. Yeah. And I feel like John Oliver just seemed so extraneous, and he's sort of like my Chang 2.0 now. Mm -hmm. But, like, I I think he's a funny guy in Mm -hmm. general. I've liked him on The Daily Show. But I think he's just so useless. Well, this episode The way they use him on Community. Yeah. This episode was, like, a more gimmicky retread of the episode from season one where we saw Abed make the documentary about... Yes. That ended up being about his family. Yes. That was supposedly right. like yeah. substituting Jeff and Britta for his parents. Right. Right. And and explaining that, you know, his parents couldn't really deal with whatever his right. situation is. Right. Psychologically or neurologically. The unspoken Asperger's. Right. That we so can't let's talk like about. we know what we know. Yeah. And you don't have to do it again. Yeah. Right. Through the Christmas lens. Yeah. Right. Really. Exactly. And the documentary with his dad and everything, that was much more emotionally satisfying. Yes, it I was. Ah. <sighs> Community. And was an unintentional glee crossover, as you yes. as you yeah. observed. Yes. So where have all the good Christmas specials gone? How come? Where have they gone? Where, when's the last time we've had a classic Christmas piece of pop culture? Well, Mark, I feel like this is your sort of bugaboo, because I feel like you brought this up. Yes, this is... Okay, I want to just start by laying out this theory. It's we got, theory we got a thesis statement coming, y'all. <laughs> so... In any given year, there are, you know, however many movies. All right, speed it up. (laughs) Get to the point, Poindexter. In any given year, there are 80 or something movies released, right? And then of those 80, maybe five are fantastic. So I think it takes maybe 15 years to release 80 Christmas movies Mm -hmm. or 80 Christmas episodes. Yeah. So I think that in the maybe the ratio ultimately is the same, but I just feel like it's been quite some time since I've seen a Christmas movie that I have, or a television episode or television special that I felt like was really uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. And what stru- what made me start to think about this is I saw the um, execrable Broadway musical Elf. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, like dying for two hours, but we're oh, not here no. to discuss the theater. It was terrible. <laughs> but then I was like, oh man, that's really disappointing because they really took a classic Christmas movie and ruined it on the stage. And then I thought, oh, I, yeah, I guess I do think that Elf yeah. is a classic Christmas movie. It's yeah. it, it was on USA this week, and I watched it a little bit of it again. And yeah. it's, it really, it does hold up. It's very charming. Yeah. I think that it's the it's the exception to the we're all sick of seeing Will Ferrell as a simpleton right. movie. Yeah. Yes. Because in that case, at least it made sense. It did not make sense for his character in Step Brothers. Not to say I don't love him, Step Brothers. <laughs> I know you're not going dismir- to dismerge <laughs> Step Brothers. But... It at least in this case, it, there was a story reason for him to sure. be this kind of you know super cheery weirdo, right? right. Um, and that movie is also shot through with other types of humor, so it's not just about Will 
Farrell's performance. Yes. It's about the narwhal coming up out of the yes. water, you know, and they're <laughs> an claymation done right. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. The narwhal. That's, <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. I also uh, the and the line that still comes up is. Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. <laughs> our friend, our friend Make Quinn. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the an announcement. Okay. Okay, people. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh my God! Is Santa here? I know him. I didn't realize you had the whole Even thing. Even just listening to it. Hey, when you tell me to cut a clip and you tell me what to cut I cut I know, it I know, it's your responsibility I, to remember what you asked me to cut I know but when you played it before we started recording I thought blah 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 that's bullshit yeah <laughs> um, our friend Quinn of No Middle Ground still says um, smiling's my favorite yeah to this day and um the relation the, and the scene with him singing "It's ba- Baby, It's Cold Outside" with uh, Zoe Deschanel yes. yeah. is also yeah really holds up. He, yeah, he has a real. You don't think of him being being able to do anything that's not super goofy. Yeah, but there's yeah. a very nice kind of quiet wistfulness to that scene. Right, yeah. that you know undercuts the idea of like he's sitting in the shower while she's right, right. The shower. right, totally. <laughs> but it totally. doesn't really enter your mind because right. it's, it, it's handled in such a sweet way. Well, and any movie that can employ Amy Sedaris gainfully, like I'm very <laughs> yes. happy about because that lady needs to be on more in more movies. I like to whisper too. Yes, yes. Oh like God. that whole thing with Brilliant. Francisco, Francisco, yeah. well, Francisco. <laughs> and that leads me to this question that I've also been pondering: What is it that makes a Christmas movie feel like a classic? Is it a different set of criteria? Then mm-hmm. we apply to another, you know, a, a, a secular film, right. as it were. Hmm. It's tough. It's kind of I feel I feel like most of the Christmas movies that I've gotten used to becoming like annual classic Christmas movies, at least modern ones, not like your It's a Wonderful Life or anything like that, have sort of I feel like I've backed into them. Like I don't know why my family decides to watch Love Actually every year around right. Christmas time, but it's just like somebody will be like, "All right, we need to watch. We need to throw Love Actually in the DVR or DVD player," mm-hmm. and. The, there's really nothing that ties that kind of movie to Elf or to uh, any of the classic Christmas movies, besides the fact that it sort of loosely, you know, surrounds Christmas right. as a time of year. But rewatchability is a really important. Factor. Of course, I think like that's I, the biggest factor. Like, uh, like once you watch Black Christmas and you know who's. <laughs> Exactly. That's pretty much all the Black Once Christmas you, know you need. That the, who the who's in the sorority house? Sure. Is, uh, added. <laughs> I won't tell who it is, but he whispers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love boobies. But I think too that you know you think about a movie like Love Actually or Elf or Scrooged, which oh, I would Scrooged. lay on the table as another modern classic, Me too. despite Absolutely. Roger Ebert's negative review at the time. Uh, let's not get me into. Yeah. He can't win them all. But uh, I feel like that there's also... He, some- he got what was coming to him for that negative. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah, and by that, you mean, it. You yeah. Mean, by that you mean his latest... This I'm keeping it real. Well. I say what everybody's thinking. <laughs> this is the kind of warm-hearted commentary you'll get on our Christmas. Merry <laughs> <Every> Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that the key of a classic Christmas movie is that there's got to be, if not in the entire film, at least one scene that has a feeling of earned sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I think is important. That's why Bad Santa maybe isn't going to be a classic. You know, I've never seen Bad Santa. I This came up on Twitter the other day. I, I knew so many people that raved about it that I recorded it once off the, one of the movie channels and tried to watch it. Yeah. Five minutes in, I was like, that's, no, not interested. <laughs> yeah. But Scrooge, I saw it in the theater when it came out, yep. and I've probably seen it 
20 times. Oh yes. Lord. Yes. I mean, I've, I've seen it a lot and yeah. I definitely think it has that, that earned moment, not just because it's one of the few, you know, riffs on a Christmas Carol that actually works and yeah. is consistent with the story and isn't just like this. We'll, we'll hit the five bullet points that everyone remembers. Right. Like it really is quite rigorous. In yeah. It's in its, um, not parody is the wrong word, but adaptation. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, you know, Bill Murray starts out as the horrible monster who's mean to his assistant. Okay, um, you're doing Helmsley Palace at 7 o'clock, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to take my son. You're, no, you're not. You're staying here with me. We're working late. Well, I have to take my son to the doctor. Grace, when I work late, you work late. But I made the appointment two months ago. I care. We're indivisible. If I'm working late, you got to work late. If you can't work late, I can't work late. If I can't work late... I can't work late. <laughs> and then he goes through the whole experience. I won't recap it because we've all seen it. But at, right. you know, in that final scene when he kind of has that breakdown or breakthrough on camera, right. it actually is quite emotional. It yeah. is. Well, and going back to what you said, Mark, about the earned moment of sincerity. There's also there's a definite uh, hokiness to the idea of saying like you know Christmas is a time for blank or Christmas mm-hmm. the Christmas season means this right. and but all of those movies I think probably ninety percent of the Christmas movies that I go back to include a scene like that and it really makes you believe it if only for you know within the while you're sort of within the movie's sphere of influence. Right. Well, we I, have that moment in Scrooge, too. Oh, yeah? No. Oh, you didn't? Okay. You only gave me one clip, sweetie. Oh, I thought I gave it to you. But, but there is that another, moment in Scrooge yes, where they, you know, if, you know, you can't do it this time of year, when can you do it? And yeah. That kind of thing. yeah, and you'll get, you're, you're going to get that feeling and you're going to... You're going to crave it. That's for what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. you're going to want it all the time. Yeah. I think, too, getting to that moment of sincerity, I think it's... Christmas movies, and Lord knows there are many of these, that start from a place of everything's beautiful and let's be sensitive. Those movies might be saccharinely and enjoyable in a saccharine way, but they don't mm-hmm. become classics. Because right. I think, too, it's like... This is why Hallmark has never had one of their 10,000 right. Christmas movies right. become a classic. Right. Exactly. All exactly and I will like watch that. The Ref, though, whenever it's yeah. on TV around the holidays, even though I feel like that's probably the, the loosest characterization. Because <laughs> I feel like that one doesn't it's more cynical it it holds on to that cynicism in but a way I, that the other yeah. ones don't but but if you have some sort of like fresh light approach or intelligent approach that takes us on a journey to where a character actually has to earn the belief in christmas which is what happens in it's a wonderful life which is a pretty dark movie that yeah. Yeah. it's easy mm-hmm. to forget but yeah i think Filmmakers of the world, listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> We've given you a, a recipe for Christmas so success. We have the recipe. What film? What other films are, are hitting that mark? You know, kind of modern, could right. be classics. All right, I, here's where I stick up for Home Alone. And I know uh, Home yes. Alone is a punching bag. No, I agree. But I really find that movie and all of its really silly slapstickiness. Maybe it's because I was 10 years old when I saw it and I was in the exact sweet spot. But like... My dad will still talk about taking us all to see that movie and him like falling out of his seat laughing because yep. that like hit exactly the type of humor that he really I thought liked. you were going to say I still remember my dad wanting to leave me home. For <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole that other childhood trauma that I can't yeah. even that I can't even get into. But that but you forget like that's not just like Macaulay Culkin's poor childhood acting and like you know hitting joe pesci in the face with heavy things but like there's that extended scene with Catherine o'hara and john candy taking the van ride back to chicago where and it's and they sort of like fall into their really good like second city kind of 
chemistry with each other and it's just i think it's really still really funny to this day so i'm on board with you on that yeah because i think maybe i saw it at the exact right we were the same age roughly yeah but you know you you get the to me again at the considering my age the classic lines like kevin i'm going to feed you to my tarantula yeah. things like that but then you get that moment where he comes home at the end and he and Catherine o'hara share like a yes. genuine quiet moment yeah a family love. It's nice. John Hughes is good that way. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. all his movies Planes, are... Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is yeah. good, too. Yeah. 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 If Planes, Trains, and Automobiles was a Christmas movie instead of a Thanksgiving movie, I would put it on this list for sure. Yeah. Totally. It's, it's, it's a really good qualities. movie. Yeah. Totally. I mean, those aren't pillow scene aside. <laughs> the rest of that movie is pretty perfect. Yeah. 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 And the soundtrack's really good, too. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. And our neighbor, Kevin Bacon, right at the beginning in yep. that little How cameo fighting for a taxi. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't think much of The Family Stone when I saw it the first time in uh-huh. the theater. Back to back with uh, that terrible Jennifer Aniston movie. Rumor has it, yeah, I did. Oh, right. Um, that was a terrible. Families in the Graduate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. bad. Um, But nobody's gonna remember what the Family Stone is. Who's in it? The Family Stone is uh, is Diane Keaton and Craig T. Nelson are the parents of this huge family that are all coming home for Christmas, and what nobody knows is that uh, Diane Keaton has. Where are you going, Mark? I've got to go pray. Okay. <laughs> Mark hates the family stone and will not be in the room while we discuss it. So the, 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 you know, the knock on this movie is that it's like, this is the most accepting family in the entire world. Like the deaf son is married, is gay and is married to a black guy. Right. There's one son who's a pothead and blah, right. blah, blah. But then the Dermot Mulroney character, the, the son brings home like the most tight ass waspy. Right woman right. that they all hate on sight because yes. because she is, which I think is funny. Like, that's the joke. Yeah, that that's is. the one thing they can accept is the most conventional person in the world. Right, yeah. But um, she has great... Sarah Jessica Parker as this tight ass has great... Um, Really good comic timing. Yeah, I think it's it's very it's a very uncarry like role, it is. which I appreciate. It is. Um, Ray, and Rachel McAdams is great as the sister who hates her the most. Yeah. I'm I'm really sorry that you had to sleep on the couch last night. Maybe we can take turns. Don't sweat it. I wish you'd give me a chance. Whatever it is that I did wrong. I said don't sweat it. I, I, I don't know what I did to you. I really don't. But you know, I don't care whether you like me or not. Oh, of course you do. That head tilt. I can hear that head tilt. <laughs> I like but, the little coffee slurp at the end. Yes, of yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a great scene where they're playing charades. Yes. And the, yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker is trying to give the clue of the bride wore black. And she points at the black guy. Yeah. And, and Rachel McAdams, like, jumps on her. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe you did, which is sort of trumped up. But anyway. Right. But all of this is window dressing for the real thing that makes this a classic moment, it, which is that one of the gifts that is given is a, a picture of, of Diane Keaton pregnant. And she <laughs> framed in a beautiful frame, and she points to Rachel McAdams, and you can barely hear her say, that's you and me, kid. God. It kills me. Oh, no. Well, you know my whole it story about this movie me. is... It I, gave, I have goosebumps. I saw this movie in the middle of uh, Christmas gift shopping excursion that I usually do, where I usually try and like duck into a movie to take a break. Mm-hmm. And... I'm by myself in the middle of the day, maybe like 10 people in the theater. This is when I still lived in Buffalo. And so it was an almost empty theater. But you get to that part of the movie and then everything that comes after that with mm-hmm. the whole when the plot of the movie plays out. And I'm literally like 
hiccuping sobs <laughs> in about the fourth row. Yeah. I don't know what. It was just like it hit me on the wrong day or just whatever. Or right but it day. was, or the right day. I It made me so goddamn sad. Yeah. I was just like actively weeping, crying in she's, theater. She's amazing in that role. It's just, yeah. it's great casting across the board. And it really gives me that, like, they do such a good job of setting the scene of like this big cozy house and everyone coming home. It, like it really gives me that Christmassy feeling. Well, mm. and when you talk about like the overly perfect family, which it's true, like it's 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 uh, almost like a parody to talk about yeah. it, about how how accepting they are and how yes. sort of you know hippie liberal they are. But again, within the sphere of a Christmas movie, I feel like Christmas movies to me are fantasy anyway. Mm-hmm. So if that's the fantasy that they want to indulge for that movie. I was happy to sort of for ninety minutes sit there to and live be with like, that family. Yeah, the like yeah. you know I want you know I'd want to go to Christmas dinner with that family. Yeah, I am sold. I can't wait to see this. Movie. <laughs> You've never seen it's, it. It's no. pretty good. Yeah. I like it. I really do have goosebumps. Um, <laughs> as as heartwarming as films like The Family Stone are, the real Christmas classics are movies like Die Hard. That's <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was watching Die Hard and I realized it's sort of a coded Christmas classic. Yeah. day. So. Uh, you uh, start off the day with breakfast. Oh my god, the quarterback is toast! You hang around with annoying people. Hey, John boy. You invent ways to keep people from drinking too much. Shoot the glass. And of course, you have <laughs> the big man himself. Ho, ho, ho. But the real, the real festive Christmas all time classic is Gremlins. Yes. Yeah. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. <laughs> He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve. His arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. Died instantly. <laughs> and that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Um, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> My parents and I actually did watch this movie at Christmas on the 22nd of December last year. Wow. It was awesome. Yeah, either last year or the year before that, I had a real hankering for it, and I had to go out and like buy it. And it is so deliciously season. mean-spirited, this movie. It, it is, And yeah. it's pretty funny. It oh, yeah. And, and for really a, a, a sort of like tween, teenager, sort of targeted movie, yeah. the, uh, the parodies and references they put in there... Although of course now dated are pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Well, yeah. and even like the scene where like the mother has to fight off the yeah. one in the kitchen, like <laughs> it's funny, but it's also like gruesome. the action is yeah. real and it's really yeah. gruesome and it's it it goes it goes she, fully quick, there. Quick story: yeah. uh, When my nephew was really young, he really really wanted to watch it, but he's way too young to watch it. Yeah. But I was way I was still too young to really appreciate that <laughs> right. he really was too young to watch it. <laughs> you were the bad influence. So he was like three and a half or oh, four God. or something. So I'm like, yeah, sure, put it in. What do I care? I'm just your uncle. I'm not like he like really loved it while he's watching it, but was fucking just shit scared at night for the next like month apparently. Well, hey, Matt. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was a little similarly, I, for whatever reason, could not sleep in the guest bedroom bed that we had because I was convinced that gremlins would claw, claw their way up through the mattress and get me. Yeah. But only yeah. in that bedroom. I don't know why. But it was, nice. it was terrifying. That's what Christmas is about. Well, Nightmares Merry Christmas, everybody. Enjoy right. your new holiday classics. That's right. Do you know what time it is, guys? It's mini game time. <laughs> oh, dude. I am freaked out. In a mini way. All right, everybody, get ready to guess. Here we go. Benson. Yeah. Oh. 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 Welcome 
Mark. Back Mark. 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 Got it. Finally, my time has come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that means it's time for the canon. And once again, Mark, being our very special guest, oh, will present us with a nominee. Well, the last time I was here, I brought in an episode of My So-Called Life, 15 years old and still kicking. So I thought I would flip the script this week and bring in an episode of a very new series. In fact, I brought in Fizbo, uh, one of the standout episodes of the first season of Modern Family, which, of course, aired last year. And to me, uh, the reason that I wanted to bring this episode in, despite the fact that it might be considered a little bold to bring in such a new episode for canonization, <laughs> is I feel like it really... This episode is the was the episode that made me think, oh my god, I'm watching more than just a sitcom. I'm actually watching a really brilliant piece of art. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, I think there are actually two, two ways in which Fizbo is a brilliant episode. And for those who don't remember the... The basic plot of the episode centers around the fact that uh, one of the characters, Luke's birthday. Luke, Luke, the, the the Pierce of Modern Family, <laughs> Luke Dunphy is having a birthday party, and the entire family is getting ready. And one of the major threads is that Cameron is uh, going to be dressing as Fizbo the Clown. He's he has not been asked to do this. No, he no. has taken it upon himself. Yes, and he has decided that it will actually make everyone feel more comfortable and cheery if he arrives dressed as Fizbo the Clown. And his partner, Mitchell, is horrified and is just horrified. <laughs> and uh, but throughout the episode, uh, Cameron, dressed as Fizbo, starts to assert perhaps the reason that he should be in costume. And one of the first ways that that happens is when Mitchell is getting gas at a gas station and another guy in an, in an SUV taps Mitchell's actual physical body with his car because he doesn't see him. And Mitchell says, uh, could you please apologize? And the guy is, a, is threatening Mitchell, at which point the camera cuts to just a shot of a giant red clown shoe <laughs> stomping onto the ground. And then Fizbo the clown and the douchebag at the gas station have this exchange. What the hell are you? I'm the ass-kicking clown that'll twist you like a balloon animal. <laughs> I will beat your head against this bumper until the airbags deploy. So apologize to my boyfriend right now. And that is almost sublime in the original sense. Like I topple before it because it's so funny. And it's, it's comedy that, first of all, is incredibly surprising because Cameron through that entire episode has been really especially uh, fey. I guess he's flouncy. been very flouncy, but it's so it's a big surprise. It's really funny to to see this absurd image of a clown becoming really threatening, but not scary like it, but just threatening. And it's really emotionally satisfying because the rage and the anger is coming out of his protective love for Mitchell. Well, and the kicker on that scene is maybe my favorite part of the whole scene is once the guy goes fleeing away in yeah, terror. Yeah, well, then we have. So then, well, after that, yeah. th th this is what happens after he runs. Let's go. We're going to be late. What has just happened is yeah. that uh, Cameron has pulled a giant-sized novelty clock out of his belt. <laughs> and he's looking with at Fizbo the, on it. With it's Fizbo so on it. Good. And he's looking at the time. And what's so brilliant about that is that 
Uh, similar to what Arrested Development would often do, this, the moment could have gotten really sentimental, but then they said, oh, no, we're pulling it back to the clown clock, and they let you laugh <laughs> again at just the right time. Yeah, it's a really well-constructed scene. And then, speaking of construction, brilliant. Thank you for the... To You're the, welcome, Thank Mark. you for the vocab segue. Hey! Uh, the, I think the, the second thing that's so satisfying about this episode is that it manages to succeed both as an emotional event, but also as... Uh, a, a, a constructed event because there is so much satisfaction in 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 seeing good comedy writing or experiencing good comedy writing and feeling like the writers are sort of peeking through the architecture that they've created and waving at you and what happens at the end of the episode is that uh, chaos essentially erupts at the birthday party and it, literally everything falls to hell but what you realize is that all of the little plot lines that they've been setting up for every character throughout the episode have been leading to this moment where the birthday party collapses because everyone's phobias or concerns or weird quirks are actually integral to this Rube Goldberg-like machine that starts to uh, churn at slowly destroying the party and leaving everything in a shambles. And what what it's so delightful because you do feel like there's the joy and the, the shock of realizing, oh... There's actually a reason that Phil has been talking all episode about not wanting to be touched. It's so that he can pull back and knock into something and knock something over. And the, the, the feeling the sophistication of the setup pay off is really, really satisfying. And then what's also great is that within that structure, they find a way of also giving you an emotional payoff for Manny, one of my favorite characters on the show, because he has been figuring out all along how he's going to impress this girl at this party, and he desperately wants her to like him. And then when the moon bounce that they've hired for the party has started mm-hmm. to deflate around her, trapping her inside, because it's a long story, but it gets hit with a with an arrow, uh, Manny participates in the Rube Goldberg, Rube Goldberg machine in this emotionally satisfying way. It turns out I'm not the sweet guy. Or the funny guy. No, mommy, don't go in, por favor! I must! I'm coming! Manny Delgado is a man of action. <laughs> Just... Don't go in! I'm t- I, like, it's it's such a base level of where I find... Like, I think Sofia Vergara does bring more than just her boobs and her accent. But the boobs and the accent are so integral yes. to how much I love her. And... Just the sound of her. Just they had that episode this year where they talked about uh, the parrot. The parrot, yeah. yeah well, you keep that parrot around squawking all the time, and it's like what? And it's like, Dang! Dang! So what's brilliant though about this moment is like he goes in, and it's really sweet and charming when he goes in to save her, and then he goes back to save her balloon dog that's <laughs> yeah. still trapped in there. But also, yeah. what you don't, what you can't obviously hear in that clip is that when he's about to go into the moon bounce to save her, he sees a sign that says, "Please remove your shoes." And he takes his shoes off before he goes in, and it's so sweet. And then at the end, you get that payoff of everyone is surrounding Luke, who has broken his arm. And at the end of that episode, and you just get this emotional payoff that's still funny. And I just think that it's just a masterpiece of writing, of acting, and of um, emotional and intellectual satisfaction and i think it's also no small thing that this is the episode that won eric stone street yeah me yes and so because i do think it is so satisfying on so many levels in a way that so few sitcoms are i feel that fizbo should be in the canon 
Joe, um, thoughts? Um, yeah, I. this is clearly my favorite episode of, of Modern Family, and I think it's one where everything really does come together. I like what you said about the structure, because it's totally true, where they set up all the different, like... Uh, red herrings about what there's the scorpion and there's right, the right. there's the zip line for whatever right. reason and um but I wanted to ask you Tara because I know you have your issues with Modern Family and I know one of them yes I prominently <laughs> is the Julie Bowen character yes it mm. is but did you feel like this was maybe you liked it more than certain other episodes because this was an episode where she was being made fun of more than she was harping on uh, Phil. Yes. Phil got to sort of feel a little superior to her in this well, episode. Well, I do like episodes that are, I do have a, I'm, I'm not 100% on board with Modern Family in right. general. But I like, Cameron is my favorite character. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed him in this episode too. And I like when they sort of give glimmers of what his life was like pre-Mitchell. Yeah. Right. That they've already established, I think, that he was a football player and he, right. you yes. know, sort of had this different, He he's very different from Mitchell. Yeah. You know, in, in his background, but also just has had a different kind of life and is you know yeah right so mitchell is embarrassed by him a lot in his current you know sort of flouncy ways right. <laughs> yes but but when they sort of turn on that it's like no this is a you know for all the jokiness that they get out of him being sort of fey yeah he's he is also powerful in, right in, he's the one who can way. actually like get along with jay um yeah his like curmudgeonly old yeah. man stuff yes and i like yeah. the moment where um he goes up to jay at the party and says oh you had something on your shoulder and he's got this like folk yes. something <laughs> spelled yes. out and jay sort of like oh haha and then cameron goes oh i'm sorry it was nothing it doesn't <laughs> jay's yeah. like we're done here. yeah but that was a great moment um but I, I will say this about Phil. Um, I do think fear of clowns is kind of a hacky thing. Sure, it's been done. But I think that Ty Burrell wrung as much out of it as yeah. it was possible for him to do. Yeah. Um, and Julie Bowen, she's just... Our friend Jeff Drake, hate the Drake on Twitter, right. has, has referred to this phenomenon of... Uh, women in in sitcoms who are cast for being beautiful rather than being funny uh-huh. mm-hmm. as enemies of comedy, and, <laughs> and one of his was Carrie Russell on Running Wild, for example. Oh. And and to me, Julie Julie Bowen is an enemy of comedy. Yeah. And she never gets to do anything funny ever, and yeah. maybe that's because she can't. That could be. Mm. To be fair, though, she no, did punch. I don't you, be fair. She did punch you in the face ten years ago, and <laughs> she did that ever since. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi, if you look up gullible in the dictionary. You'll find it isn't there. If she met me, she might. But I think this episode really features the thing, maybe my favorite thing about the the show is just that the interplay between Cam and Mitchell, where they're obviously a couple and they obviously do sort of like bickery coupley things, but mm-hmm. that one uh, interview they gave to the camera where Cam's telling about the, the, the four the types, the of clowns. types of clowns. Yes. There's a tramp and a whatever and a, go- and a goose and a character. Yes. <laughs> and Mitch tries to make the joke about like, there's oh, a, there's a, a fourth clown. type, a sad clown. And he's right there with it. It's just, sad clown's a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, the shot kind of pulls back so you can see Mitchell like making a tear yes. down yes. his face. And that, was, that was great. It was a great, great scene. Uh, yeah. Fun fact, did you know that uh, Eric Stonestreet actually did play a clown named Fizbo early in his career? No. No, but I assumed that that was real when yeah. they, sh- they showed a, a newspaper. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's oh, so and that was a for real. Ah, oh, that's really, I didn't even get, think to 
randomly uh, my partner who is a vocal coach coaches one of his friends and oh, yeah. was like I oh, knew yeah. him when he was Fizbo so yeah. fact. he's a great character I remember we mentioned the football thing I remember when that episode first aired I think we were watching it at the apartment and I was just like holy shit we've got a fat football loving gay guy on TV yes. like <laughs> I have representation yes. finally you actually did I believe both hands went into the I'm air I'm part of the world <laughs> now point. yeah it but was they've great. also there's the, the, the other episode where he briefly joins Dylan's band as the drummer like yes. <laughs> drumming like a badass. Yeah. Like yeah. that's another great moment too. Where it's that like, was a really satisfying. Cameron really contains multitudes. That was a really satisfying Emmy win. Yeah, and I, in a year where there were a lot of them, I really was super psyched that he won. And I have to say that I think it's actually a really valid criticism that Fear of Clowns is. Mm-hmm. Has been played yeah. out, but I think one well, of the... Well, and so was the Rashomon. This wasn't really Rashomon, but this was like the seven hours later kind but of... one of the things that I love about Modern Family is it keeps injecting life, new kinds of surprising life, into these incredibly familiar tropes. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. one of the things that I think makes it so much fun is it forces me to realize that I actually haven't seen everything that can be done with the fear of clowns. <laughs> yeah, there's that really, really, there's honest, really but... very little... <laughs> beyond the fact that like... There's not a lot of, the, like, the types of characters, like the gay couple or whatever, that's sort of new. But their actual storylines, very rarely do they come up with anything that's not been done before. Right. It sort of underlines the fact that that's a very typical sitcom. It's just executing at a really, really high level. And, and yeah. Well, that's my story, y'all. That's my story. All right. I have I just one note. Over here from me. Yes. Um, you can say more than I would one like note. the uh, TV writers of the world to please stop doing the flashback, flash forward, right. um, write it backwards sort of script, whether it be comedy, sci fi, or drama or whatever. Right. I'm right. so sick of it. I think it's kind of lazy. I, I feel like lazy. Alias burned me out on that. I know Alias it had been lost, done before yeah. Alias, but I feel like Alias, Alias dipped into that well yeah. so often, and the, it really bugged me. Even event, Breaking Bad does it. Yeah. The event has got to be a death march for you then, Dave, if you watch it. I don't. Oh, Dave yeah, doesn't watch it. I've not seen a second of it. <laughs> uh, my, I'm sort of with Tara on generally on the show. Like I haven't seen as many episodes of you guys because, as you know, I'm a professional anti-sentimentalist. <laughs> right. Yes. So this show to me is sort of like poor version of Arrested Development insofar it has a lot of shared traits and goofiness and good character interplay like Arrested Development but I really just don't personally go for some of the schmaltziness it just Mm -hmm. doesn't like for me I want that excised Mm -hmm. and replaced with more goofiness I really like the the gay couple I think they're they're the best part of the show Um, and I like their interplay a lot but then it kind of gets they don't go too far into it. I think you're right. I think they pull it back, especially like with moments like the clock. But still, it's like. But they still even, every episode has to end with that moment. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is why my friend Casey is only eighty percent on board. Mm. I think. I think. Yeah, this show is sort of like a, a, a ratings ready version of Arrested Development. They yeah. looked at Arrested Development and said, "How can mm. we make this last more yeah. than three years?" Here's the formula, right. and it's not a bad show. I don't think it's a bad show by any means, but I just am not really into it. And I thought this episode had some good moments, but. I, I I would not put it But in I feel like for a show that's made to be digested by the mainstream, which is why that sentiment sentimentality is used yes. so much, I feel sure. like it's sort of it's it's combining both worlds in a way that I'm I'm glad that it's got a mass audience. Right. That they're seeing this really 
sort of well executed comedy within these familiar. I think it's smart TV and it's smart. Yeah, um, like like that's what marketing too. You know smart. what I mean? Like yes. it's, it's got smart DNA insofar that they've mm-hmm. thought about how to make the show last. Yeah, right. And yeah. that might not be the best show right. for David T. Cole. Sure, right. That's right. what I'm right. saying. Right, right, right. <laughs> It's but it's weird like to talk about the sentiment because you know what I think is the it's far superior time slot neighbor Cougar Town yeah also has its super schmaltzy moments too but I, I feel like they're it's more woven through so it's more earned like yeah. hmm. to me Modern Family every episode follows that like the eighty percent guideline that your friend Casey has is, right. is exactly right because if you stop at eighty percent of the way through you'll probably have a very satisfying viewing moment if you don't want to have that like, and here's how everything all tied up in a bow and we reminded each other that we all loved each other. Yeah. Now see, me being me, I'm like, <laughs> yay! <laughs> <laughs> Grab a Kleenex! I love families and love! Okay. Like with Cougar Town, I think you take it as red. And you Cougar Town sneaks up on you with it a little out. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. but it might be in the middle of an episode. It right. might be in the first five minutes. Right. It doesn't follow that same structure. Right. So mm, anyway, right. sorry, Mark. Well, I think it's, it seems like it's two votes nay. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. And I will also say yes. <laughs> and because I'm the guest, <laughs> I'm voting. What do you think, Bob? <laughs> I say yes. All right. Well, um, Fizbo from uh, Modern Family, I'm sorry, is not in the canon. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. So, yeah, a little double dose of crackpot this week. Uh, A, first we're going to start off with a crackpot update. 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 (laughs) Crackpot update. What a scoop. Um, you may recall a few weeks ago, uh, several weeks ago, we talked about my crackpot theory that I should be able to choose Blake Lively's next boyfriend. Indeed. Um, <laughs> now, on two fronts, we've had news this week. A being, apparently, it wasn't this Double week. Double Ryan news. Double Ryan news. I apparently had missed the uh, memo that Blake Lively has been seen hooking up around town with Ryan Gosling, which... Two thumbs up, approve, and you probably should have been on my list when I made it. Mm-hmm. That's my fault. I will take full <laughs> responsibility for that. That's, that's on, on you, me. Man. That's on. That's on. That's on you, man. Um, but also, slightly more distressing news was the uh, gossip reports later in the week that said that Ryan Reynolds and Scarlett Johansson's crumbling marriage uh, may have crumbled a little bit in part because Ryan and Blake were doing it on the set of The Green Lantern. <gasps> if you recall. <laughs> We'll talk Say. about it later. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you recall, one of my regulations for when we were trying to pick Blake's next boyfriend was she cannot be seen a as a homewrecker. Mm-hmm. So this is distressing. Blake, call me. We'll talk about this offline and we'll get that all sorted out. Uh, more Blake updates as as we find them. <laughs> this has been a crackpot update. <laughs> so now into crackpot proper. Uh, I am not a crackpot. I just think that there should be awards for memes on Twitter. Uh, whether or, we hold them yeah. at the end of the year yeah. or at the end of the week <laughs> or even at the end of the day. All I feel like is when I put in the effort to, for example, like a couple weeks ago, I actually uh, started a meme called Six Songs. Yes. And it was because uh, I had the weird thought in my head that I wanted uh, somebody to read my Betty Lou's getting gout tonight. Brilliance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And I'm not afraid to say it was really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So, um, but so after a f- you know a few fun hours, I had paranoid hemorrhoid, and I had 
<laughs> consumption junction, what's your function? Sure. And my mumps. Um, and may I add that I happened to catch Mark this meme when I had Sunny came home with rabies. When, with when rabies. was this? I must have been in. It was at night. It was it was a you late night. You might have been in Canada. It was oh, a late night meme. Yeah, I, think I, had, you were in Canada. I had one night when internet was down. So. Yeah. yeah. But All so, new but to see, me. but good. see, this is the thing. If there were a meme yeah. awards at the end of that week, somebody would you would have been able to be like, oh look, yep. how fantastic. Also, what they need to do to help this meme, you know, momentum. Yeah. Is when you click Me-mentum. on a meme, one of the Ooh, things. Yes. Momentum. Coined it. Patent pending. <laughs> uh, Coined and minted. To maintain <laughs> mean momentum. Um, when you click on the hashtag, it should show you immediately in that sidebar who started it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Credit yes. where credit's due. Yeah. Totally. Um, but I just feel like, because it, it starts to feel like a competition, certainly uh, with our circle, it's it's a very much a can you top this kind yep. of thing, and it's you know I can I can retweet ones that can I find really it? funny, um, <laughs> and so that's sort of like my tipping the hat. But I just feel like a really good, a really funny entry in a Twitter meme really deserves more than just a retweet. I feel like that's that's an that's an accomplishment that brightens my entire boring ass afternoon at work. Yeah, there so. were many times when I was at my previous job where I worked super duper hard always. Right, where, where we would be on IM and and one of us would say to the other, I, I could really use a good hashtag game. Right, totally, now. absolutely. Yeah. And I, I only ever started one once. I wish Twitter, um, as much as I don't like Facebook, I wish they would change the sort of meaning of favorite into more of a like or a thumbs up kind yeah. of thing yeah. right. so that yeah. it'll allow you to sort of something that says, yeah, that was, that was a good piece of business. Yeah. 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 Tara, what was the one, it was months ago, but I still remember it. It was when I, th- that first gave me this idea. Um, it was the questionable bakeries or the controversial yes. bakeries or whatever. The Do one where I yes. did, there is no God but Chala and Mohammed is his prophet. Yes. I really wanted that memorialized oh, somewhere. Oh God, it's so and, good. <laughs> But we all had a real a and lot then of really of you, good ones. one of yours. Why don't you learn some fucking English muffins? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, it was, but well, that was the same. That was the uh, same. Uh, <laughs> well, here's what we know so far. There is definitely a need for this. Yes, there's an appetite for this. <laughs> yes, there is an Earl for this now with mean momentum. Mean momentum. Oh, no one man. register it. Well, That's well, right. Yeah, Dave, do a before, pause before, this recording. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think this could be like some sort of like extra hot great sister site. Oh, let's love make it, it. happen, well, guys. It. Can I just? You're add super also, not a crackpot. Yes. Joke. Can I just add the social benefit of this? Like this would mm-hmm. give it the sort of political heft to carry it beyond our shores. One of the things that's so disappointing about Twitter is when you get on and you see a meme that happened five hours ago, but yeah. you were busy, and yeah. then by the time you're trying to play, everyone's like, "Meh." But if Old. there were, yeah. But if there were, <laughs> if there were meme awards, then lots of people would be rediscovering it, quote unquote, together. So mm-hmm. the meme would actually go further and live longer. Well, and you would able to appreciate something that happened maybe if you had a day off or whatever and right. still feel like you could you could relive all the highlights i mean the, what this really comes down to and no disrespect to your meme this week joe but sure. for the for the amount of play it got whoever started movies in my pants back Holly, in my back pants halloween weekend so good that person should win like the yes. nobel prize in yeah. twitter the irving yeah. g Thalberg award for hashtag a meme a hashtag meme catch on that was that another movie. late night one Everyone where i came home it. it was like 11 30 and i was like yes. well now i know what i'm doing for the next hour and a half <laughs> right yeah. it's doing in my I pants saw you, i was like where have you yes, been you yeah, because I that weekend I was at my sister's and you know it's a baby house, so right. everyone was in bed by like ten thirty. Right. So I was up by myself just doing funny well, face in did, my pants. Who did they live in my pants? Like that was uh, like I don't know, face. some genius. Um, I had uh, white men can't jump in my pants. My, 
Another thing that should be added is then we could also have awards for someone like John Ramos, who mm-hmm. is such a gifted participant in so many. He is. Couch and our Baron. friend Hate the Drake, who I Hate the Drake earlier. is so he's, good. He's it's a so real good. Hashtag. Hate the Drake, Couch Baron. These are people who have merited individual, yep. uh, you know, individual achievement awards yes. in the field of memes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Joe, not a crackpot. I'm no, totally behind. Thank you. I'm so glad I got Speaking about Twitter, let's quickly. On Twitter, you are? At Joe Reed. At Crit Condition. At Tara Ariana. Yeah, and I'm at Clark. So nice. you know, join in and yes. blah, blah. Please do. Yes. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Truer words have never been spoken. Who's our winner of the week? Today's winner, this week's winner, is uh, Kate O'Brien, who is the sister of Conan O'Brien and who made her acting debut this month as one of the uh, bitch sisters in The Fighter. <laughs> and if you've seen the, the scene where all the sisters are sitting around being bitchy, she's the one who looks exactly like Conan O'Brien. <laughs> that is the truth. And uh, apparently she's, a, we tried to research it this week, I believe she's a teacher or something oh, yeah? in her real life, but he, yeah. you know, he's from Massachusetts, obviously, so is she, and so this was this yeah. was her big moment. It got a lot of play on uh, in the entertainment world. And I have a sub-winner, Return of Pierre Bernard, uh, formerly of Pierre Bernard's Recliner of Rage on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. He was, uh, <laughs> did a bit this week about uh, il- illustrating DC Comics uh, lady characters with absolutely enormous boobs. And it was really funny. Look, at, I will put the clip in the show notes. Nice. Winners of the week. Uh, losers of the week are the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. <laughs> they uh, They released their nominees for the Golden Globe Awards, as they do every year. And every year, they get some degree of flack for uh, a star fucking nominee mm-hmm. or the a what they're and their TV <laughs> nominations are always there was I'm always sure, surprised that people them. get sort of worked up about the TV nominations like for as little as the Golden Globes mean usually in movies they mean less on TV right but this year really beyond the pale with their musical or comedy movie nominations yeah uh, including two nominations for Johnny Depp one for The Tourist which nobody saw and nobody liked and one for <laughs> Alice in Wonderland which lots of people saw and nobody liked terrible terrible um, and generally, there wasn't a whole lot of high-quality, uh, awardable, quote-unquote, comedies this year. So they re- they they had their hands tied to a degree, but they still could have picked about 50 movies that were better than uh, Love and Other Drugs or I- I'm just going to say Wonderland. it if you're not going to. Um, okay. Step Up 3D is a musical last I fucking checked. That's right. <laughs> okay? That's right. So... Also, for everybody who hated Going the Distance, they were better... That was a better movie oh than every God. nominee in yes. the Golden Globe list. So, it really right. was. Rediscover it. It was unfairly maligned. Also, yeah. could you not have argued that Cyrus was a comedy and then given that some nominations? You probably could have. HFPA. Uh, well, or... Non-cosigned. <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss this later. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it seems like uh, the kids are all right. Is primed primed to win that category anyway. Oh, so, good. but Hollywood Foreign Press are our losers of the week. Can, can I ask a quick question? Technical yes. question. Can somebody please explain to me who exactly are the people that are voting? The Hollywood Foreign Press Association is about ninety entertainment journalists from outside of America. So basically, they're star fucking Europeans. Oh. <laughs> guys dave oh. do you know oh my god. what yes time oh it is oh my god it's <laughs> game time <laughs> oh this is such a climactic game time oh my god I'm the stakes went to the this is the one. have oh never been god. higher you guys it's the last game time of the season joe and tara are tied at five points apiece 
one will be victorious. Oh, God. Or maybe Mark, Mark will, will spoil. Maybe Blankenship <laughs> will drop a bomb. So, as you remember last time Mark was on the show, we did a little TV <laughs> theme music, and Mark didn't do so good. So, no. we're going to give him a chance at redemption for Christmas, brought to you by the letter C. TV themes. Are we supposed to be scorekeeping ourselves? You should scorekeep yourself. Okay. Although I will say that after last the last game, uh, Robert Guillaume did get in touch with me and thank me for constantly <laughs> guessing Benson. <laughs> well, he had to get back into the uh, mainstream media somehow. He appreciates his fan base. Yes. Um, okay, so just to uh, clarify, so we don't have the same mistake we had last time, you do not buzz in, you do not go... <laughs> you... Um, just shout out the answer, and okay. we'll all be honest, and we'll all figure out who answered first. There is a pen for you. Yes. Hey, there we go. Keeping it professional. All right. All right. Everybody, are you ready yes. to play? Oh, my God. TV themes. Just shouting out the answer with the letter C. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. CSM. <laughs> Charlie's Angels! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Curse you, dear. Wow, what? Oh, nobody's gonna get this one. Chico and the Man. That was... All the way over from Britain, the long-running Coronation Street. Oh, oh. God, Coronation Street. That's invented. Community! Oh, it. oh got that. damn it. Oh, Tara got me? it. By yeah. a thread. Damn it. Cosby Show! <sighs> what? Cosby Show. Yes. That was that... That's uh, the, 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 funky the island episode. Yes. The island I'm season. so freaked out right now. <laughs> Jazz Monster! <laughs> that was from the from the reggae season. Of yes, the, yes, yes. Oh, Mark knows it, but he can't face off the tip of his tongue. <laughs> Mark is so animated right now. I love it. I don't know. Ugh. Captain Kangaroo. Oh, oh Captain Kangaroo. I wouldn't have got that. Carabinetto. You got that. Oh, okay. The world? Oh. Chips. Really? Nicely done. Nice. Took me a second. Oh, God damn it. All right, wait. Score break. Score break. Let's check the scoreboard. I have four. Mark has two. Joe has two. Oh, Ah, mercy me. Mark's actually on the board this time. We're about halfway through. Oh. Charles in charge? Nope. Oh, I should know this, maybe? I Cagney and Lacey. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Lacey. Mom. Hey, time. Captain Planet! <laughs> not, not the new adventures of Captain Planet, no, by the way. No, this is Captain Planet. That's a different one. 
Oh, oh, the critic. critic. Yes. Oh, yes. Finally, oh, my knowledge of the critic pays off. I thought, I thought <laughs> that was going to be a half second. Well, that was the that. sad sort of intro, yeah. the rolling intro into it. Yeah. Damn it! What? Oh my God, Tar is so amped right now. <laughs> you seriously are going into a transponder place. <laughs> can we get a score? Is, score check. Score is, check. Let's calm ourselves down I with the score check. All right, I have Joe has four. Mark still has two. Five. Oh, oh God! Woo. This is exciting, guys. You're not gonna hear world? <laughs> What'd you say? No, I said what in the world? I was, I was good. Columbo. Columbo. Oh, Columbo. Oh, oh, uh, Charmed. Yes. Tied up. Charlie Beach. Damn it. Is this the last one? No. Oh. I thought Tara would really want to <laughs> say. Look at this line I drew. <laughs> that was an emphatic. You actually, and then she punched me. So. <laughs> Ready? Yes. Uh, Clone High! Hi. Who got it? Joe. Yes! What was it? Clone High! I'm sorry, what? Clone High. Oh, gosh, there's so much screaming. Clone High! <laughs> there is a lot of screaming. I'm, I'm sorry! Apologize now for all the, uh, <laughs> oh my God. for the eardrums that we were going to pop. All oh right, God. here we go. Shut up. Score check, please. Seven. Two. Six. Oh, guys, there's two left. Oh, God. Oh, oh, God. You ready? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Chuck? I do believe Did Tar has mathematically Chuck? eliminated Joe. Let's finish okay, it up. First of wait, all, wait, wait, wait. Let's finish it up. <laughs> Charles in charge. I've been waiting for fucking Charles in charge since Mark said it. Oh, wow. Now, like he's one of the family. Charles in charge of our days and our nights. Charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights. And I see I want, I want Charles in charge of me. Anyway. <sighs> All right. Can I just say, <laughs> I have up until now had no good reason for my resentment of Chuck. Now I have a very good reason for my resentment of Chuck. It's a good song. Fuck you, Chuck. It was a song before it was on Fuck Chuck. Fuck you, Chuck. Well, I'm glad you're saying fuck you, Chuck. That was you know? an epic finish to our game time. I would have been so happy for you. <laughs> I would have been irate. Uh, Dave, can we just pretend that there yes. was a tie? Sure. In the I event of a tie, oh, Dave I, I did, did want to have a winner for the season between uh-huh. Joe and, uh, or rather in the event that Mark won, right. which apparently was never going to happen. <laughs> Thanks um, for that. Mark chose a theme Christmas to then tears. be the tiebreaker between Joe and Tara. So uh-huh. let's see how that would have played out. Show me that smile. Oh, I'm throwing paints. Well, Joe. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. In an alternate Bizarro Superman <laughs> universe, Mr. Mixelpixic. Tara Ariano, you are the season winner of Game Time, and you know what yeah. that means. Oh, no, I don't. Yeah! <laughs> Nothing's gonna ever keep me down. You're the best. All right. 
the mic work that Tara just displayed was amazing. Oh my god. This is why we need to have a video podcast. This is true. Woo! Oh All right. God. Well, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. Lord. We took a trip to the North Pole in search of Christmas classics and came back with a bag full of goodies. <laughs> We could not agree on Modern Family's Fizbo for the canon, but agreed that Joe was not a crackpot. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of the Game Time Season. Woo! I am David T. Cole. On behalf of Tara Ariano. Yeah! Joe Reed. Okay. And uh, (laughs) Mark Blankenship. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, y'all. Yep. A a happy Kwanzaa. Wait, happy Hanukkah. (laughs) A crazy Kwanzaa. A tubular tat. Tip-top tat. And a solemn, dignified (laughs) Ramadan. By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet. He's the man. Leading the Chargers number one band. Check him out. You're gonna see him. Mega Mac Daddy of Ecology. Is this the French Schneider remix? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can use a better rumor. Some people say he's got a bad sense of humor. Still Greenleys and Blights trash our planet. It's up to us to say we won't stand it. Raise your voice and challenge your peers. Say his way cool to be planeteers. The power is yours. Oh. 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 The Mega Mac Daddy of Ecology? Yep.